looking fine as wine, girl. What's mm, up? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> This is officially episode one of Life Unfiltered by me, Jen Padilla. Today I have my boyfriend, Kevin Dory, some random guy that I happened to fall in love with, I guess. Hello. Dory like the fish in Finding Nemo, yes. Today he's going to be me. He's going to moderate this conversation about me and my life. Big shoes to fill. (laughs) You'll be Big fine. shoes to fill. Uh, we're going to talk about the origins of the podcast, kind of the story behind it, and how I got here. And Kevin's the person that kind of knows me at the worst, and I think at the pretty good parts of me right now. That is accurate. Jen asked me to come on and, uh, I guess, guide her through her story since... I may be the person with the most firsthand um, experience and knowledge of it. So my goal is to basically not screw it up. Good. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Your perspective will be really insightful because you were there through it all. True. So yeah, this is the first of many episodes that I hope you guys stick around and listen to. I'm also recording this in my apartment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a little makeshift studio. You know, we're making it work. So you might hear some random car alarms, dogs barking, helicopters buzzing. L.A. L.A., baby. So don't judge me. We're working on it. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll tamp it down in post. No big deal. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. So, Jen. Yes. Welcome to your podcast. To my podcast, (laughs) yes. Shall we get right into it? Let's do it. Straight off the top, from the top ropes, I think the people want to know, where did this podcast come from? What inspired it? Well, the idea of this podcast came to me from my own personal experience and the set of challenges that I was faced with at a certain point in my life. And, you know, I had to redefine what mental health meant to me personally And I think just actually discover what the hell mental health was, really. Mm -hmm. We live such a different life on social media, so we're able to curate a whole different personality just from the power of our fingertips through filters, through editing, through face filters. And I think we play up just the best parts of our life on Instagram where we get to post it and get to curate it to be whatever we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And... You know, at the time and then the challenges that I was going through, I was portraying my life something completely different on Instagram, like where I was happy and living life and being really inspirational when behind closed doors, I was really struggling mentally and I really didn't like myself. And so when people would go up to me or I would have conversations in passing, people would be like, oh, you're killing it. You're doing so great, Jen. And, you know, It's all nice things, but deep down inside, I was just kind of like, I don't think that about me, and I don't really like myself. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, what we'll eventually talk about on this podcast is, you know, like where all this 
this podcast really came from, from your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I experienced sort of this, like, here's my, you know, outside looking in perspective of this person. Um, and then as you started to open up to me, I came to realize that over the previous 12 to 14 months or whatever, before meeting you, you had had a pretty interesting journey and you hit some rough patches that were um, very difficult to navigate. And, you know, I think eventually as you started to trust me and open up more and more, frankly, I was like, wow, I would have, I would have never guessed that any of this was going on or hadn't gone on prior to meeting you. Um, And yeah, I think then eventually you brought the idea of the podcast for that very reason of like, I think this stuff, I am just one person. I just have my story, but I think it's important that it be shared. And right. That's the podcast idea sort of was, uh, the seed was planted and here we are. We have green shoots coming up. Yeah. So also a part of why I had the idea for the podcast was the fact that the biggest thing that stood out to me throughout all those challenges that I was faced with, you know, was the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And when I would talk to people that I trusted, they would, you know, share their own challenges that they had been through and, you know, related in a way that we were all kind of in it at the same, in the same kind of capacity And hearing that was such a big embrace for me because, you know, we live in such a bubble. So I felt really alone Mm -hmm. and I almost felt really ashamed to even talk about it. So I was like, why don't we talk about this? You know, it's such taboo to, you know, talk about mental health or just kind of like negative thoughts or maybe negative feelings. We all kind of just say like, how are you doing? I'm fine. But are you really fine? You know, so that's another component of this podcast. And you're going to hear different episodes from different people of all different walks of life, sharing their stories of trials and triumphs, heartbreaks, losses, you know, athletes, like just all different ranges of people and them being so honest and so vulnerable and generous with their truth. So I'm really, really excited to kind of share all those stories I just want people to know that you're not alone and you're not moving through this life alone through all these challenges because life is hard sometimes. So I really want to just take that filter off of Instagram and put people in my chair and just have really honest conversations. I think we heal as a community when we're united together and it's really hard to heal when you're isolated and feeling alone. And, you know, the only way out of hardship is just going through it together or through a professional. So, yeah, I hope this podcast can inspire and possibly heal people, you know, just to find something that they can relate to and not feel alone. Yeah, I think that relatable element um, of just storytelling, of understanding, you know, I think we... We oftentimes, I, I know I do, like I just try to, you know, grin and bear it and get through things on my own. And, um, you know, sometimes some of this stuff is like we've never encountered it before. Right. And it's our first time through it. 
And we're just expected to be experts and understand, you know, the right things, the wrong things, you know, and, and how to come out the other side yeah. a better person. But that's sort of unrealistic, right? Like, never done something before. Why would you expect that it's just all going to go smooth? So trying uh, to share our experiences, other guests on this podcast experiences, so that listeners and whomever can... Um, you have a little bit better frame of reference, right? Totally. And we are not professionals. This is just purely storytelling. No. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. No, no, no. <laughs> professionals in, you're a professional in certain things. In other things, but not, not I am not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I drink the hell out of a chagachino. I'm pretty, pretty good at that, but. Oh, good. Anyway, before uh, I go off the rails. Yeah. So let's keep it moving. Yeah. So social media, you know, the biggest parts of our lives, like most people are on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, like all of those Jeez, platforms. Them up. Good Lord. And social media, you know, if used intentionally, it's great. I like to use it for educational purposes for my career. I love to, you know see photography or just keep up with friends that I normally don't see on a regular. But there's um, pitfalls. There are definitely pitfalls. And, you know, looking through statistics, it's pretty insane. Uh, the effects of social media on your mental health. Um, you know, there's a lot of cyberbullying. There's a lot of FOMO. So a lot of fear of missing out. And then there's like the sense of an unrealistic beauty standard that's kind of being shoved down our throats, you know, like growing up for me before the age of technology, we had magazines. So I just saw like really, really thin models with like low, low, low rider jeans and their hip bones sticking out. And that was like, (laughs) that was like, what was, that was a standard of beauty. Yeah. So now we see on Instagram, just kind of these filtered, completely filtered and altered, you know, physical appearances that you know, if you don't look a certain way or if you don't pose a certain way or you don't have a certain aesthetic, you know, you're not going to get these likes or you're not going to get these followers. And it's the validation through like a social currency of like likes and followers is so detrimental to people that are so impressionable, which is this young generation. Mm -hmm. And they're over-sexualized. And it's, it's really interesting to see this younger generation, how they interact with each other and see them out in the wild and see them in public and like how they dress and like how they're just so caught up with their phones. And so I really just want to create a space and a platform for people to just speak their truths and kind of just, you know, reach out to the younger generation and say like, Hey, like a lot of this stuff really doesn't mean shit. Like your social media presence doesn't necessarily matter in real life. Like what matters in real life is like, do you love yourself and what are your values in life and what do your relationships look like outside of Instagram? Yeah. And to that end, I think what people, let alone young people, like, you know, predominantly, I think don't realize is what we eventually gravitate towards the most and and the people that resonate with us the most on social media are the people that are just authentically themselves, right? Right, yeah. And so I think the goal of this podcast, to some degree, you know, there's various themes, but one is 
to highlight like who people truly are when the filters are off, when the cameras aren't pointed at them, like who do you feel most comfortable? Like what, you know, like who are you off screen? Yeah, exactly. Like what costume do you feel most comfortable in? Like, who are you really, you know, when the cameras aren't on? And I think what you tend to realize is like, oh, that person's the most interesting person to me too. Yeah. We can judge people and we're all guilty of it. But in reality, like we're more alike than we think. Yeah. For like you, for example, well, your social media does include this one through line, but a lot of people might know you as a dancer. They might know you as a fitness professional. I know you. Your true passion in life, the dogs. <laughs> I mean, you can talk about dance, you can talk about wellness for, you know, hours and days. You can talk about dogs for the rest of your life. Get this girl started on dogs, it's over. That's what brings me the most joy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and dogs are better than humans. I think people would be <laughs> surprised, you know, as, as you sit here with your various guests, like they may be known for athletics, they may be known for. Whatever it is, yeah. Um, but like, what is their true passion in life? The stuff that maybe doesn't rise to the top on social media, and watching them light up in those areas, it's like, well, this is you. Yeah. This should be you. This should be. I mean, you don't have to put everything on social media. That's another thing. But <laughs> yeah, and you know, I really respect people in terms of what their limits are and what they really want to be honest about and keep private because there's some things that I am private about and I don't share on social media. And there's that importance of keeping certain things close to you. Not everybody needs to know everything. Um, So again, the people that have come on to this podcast in the next couple episodes that you'll listen to, I'm so thankful for their honesty and their generosity to share their truth. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do, you know, Especially what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. You've got one that's a hard story to tell. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I think do. it's important. Yeah. So do it. I'm proud of you for sitting here in the hot seat. Thanks. I'm proud of you for getting on camera and doing this. Your biggest. Yeah. You're telling your story hard. This is my biggest fear. I'm overcoming challenges right in front of you people. Oh, okay. You wanna, <laughs> do you want this to be about you? So brave. <laughs> so brave. <laughs> I learned relative, like maybe a month, month and a half after meeting you that you were going through a breakup, which I think, frankly, that's like where our our, our relationship really started to, to kind of, I guess, I don't know, become more intimate, more open, more honest. Because yeah. I just sympathized like, wow, I've, I've been there. It's mm-hmm. not a fun time. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, but it's nice to like understand that, you know, the things you're going through are normal and challenging, but like you'll get through them. What I didn't realize is there was all these other extenuating factors in your life that, um, were just layered on top of that. Mm -hmm. And in the previous six months, you had gone through a really hard time. Oh yeah. And and as you began to share some of those um, details with me, I was like, wow, I would have never known. And I think, you know, that's um, partly where, why we're here is like this outward facing again, like you don't need to share everything, but I think you, you really went through a lot of that on your own or felt like you needed to go through 
a lot of it on your own and yeah you found yourself sort of in a in a hard place maybe without a lot of the tools to like navigate it right for sure and I think I was really good at hiding it because I was really good at conditioning myself to you know fool people with my outward behaviors and emotions and Mm -hmm. I was all happy dandy but then reality you know in my own vessel like in my own home the body that I live in you know I was really struggling and it just seemed like an avalanche all at one time, you know, it was the, the breakup was just the tipping point of everything. That was what the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's when everything just kind of imploded on itself, you know, like a stuffed trash can, just kind of (laughs) garbage everywhere. Yeah. So, (sighs) yeah. So maybe let's do it. Start it. Start us, uh, walk us back a little bit, (laughs) I guess, talk about like, you know, what was going on in your life, um, and and what mounted to this sort of, I guess we'll call it a a little bit of a breaking point, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of a breaking point, breaking open. Mm -hmm. So my whole life I had experienced anxiety and a sense of perfectionism, And maybe a little bit of a depression, but it would go in phases. And so my whole life, I've really just kind of shoved everything down so far down and just moved forward. And I never really dealt with anything um, productively. Yeah. I just didn't necessarily have the emotional intelligence or the tools to work through some really hard things that I had experienced in life from the course of, you know, as a child to, you know, 23, 24, 25, up till 27. Mm -hmm. And so I never really had like a strong foundation of what a relationship would look like. You know, I didn't understand how to be a partner. The only thing I understood was like, you know, you're committed, you're loyal, and you do things for your partner. And I developed a lot of codependency without even really understanding what was happening. Mm -hmm. So I've been a professional dancer for like, what, 10 years now? (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so I was at the Rams, and this was the season that the Rams were just absolutely crushing it. 2018-19 season, yeah. Yeah. So every game was just exhilarating. It was just top of the news every day or after every game. This is your third season This for is the my Rams? third season with the Rams. So you, third season with the Rams, you've ascended to a captain role, right? No, I or was demoted. What? Okay, you were demoted. <laughs> but you were still like... Okay, as far as I know, you were sort of one of the faces of, like, the Rams cheer franchise. Yeah, I mean, I was a a pretty seasoned veteran. So I had a pretty important role on the team. Like, everyone plays an important role on that team. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I had grown with the franchise for a really long time. So I had a lot of responsibility on the Rams, for sure, even without the title. Yes, from an outward-facing standpoint, like, people would see you. A thousand percent. You were very visible in this role. A thousand percent. So, you know, so this season is really, really exciting. 
Meanwhile, I'm going through a lot of challenges, like I had mentioned before. Um, You know, I was going through something with my family. There was some personal stuff going on there that was kind of scary. I got into a small accident that freaked me out. Um, I fell asleep at the wheel for like a split second and I rear-ended somebody. Super scary. Mm. Um, Because I was just so spread thin. Yeah. And I was also in a relationship with somebody long-term for four years in total. And so it was a lot to juggle. And also I was going back to school at UCLA. I was taking some courses in, you know, hopes to transition in my career and pursue something else. So that was, there was a lot of changes going on and it was very fast paced. And I just was so spread thin because I was also juggling my clients in classes. And I just felt you know, I really didn't have time to invest in me, but that's just how I operated. I didn't have time and nor did I want to deal with my own shit. So I created my life to be very busy. That's normal, right? Like when people have challenging things or yeah. like emotional distractions, things, you, you, know, you distract yourself from it oftentimes, right? Right. Yeah. And I've always been such a go-getter hustler. So that's just always been me as well. So Again, I didn't have an opportunity to slow down. It was, it was a pretty scary time for me. Um, you know, my behavior just changed into a way that just didn't line up to what I believed in health-wise, fitness-wise. I was becoming more of a recluse. I was having less energy to do any simple thing of like getting out of bed and, you know, just starting my day was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I just would binge a lot of TV just because I was numbing myself. Um, I would be on Instagram, but just scrolling, not even processing anything that I was listening or reading or watching. Um, You're like actively doing whatever you can to pull yourself from your internal thoughts, right? Exactly. So I was just numbing myself and I just wasn't present. I remember, you know, complaining, not complaining, but just expressing myself that, I just felt off, like the center of my axis was spinning off and I just didn't feel right. And intuitively there was just something going on, but I just couldn't express myself. I couldn't express like exactly what it was Mm -hmm. because again, you know, I had no idea what was going to lie ahead for me. So you're, you say you're complaining like outwardly to others. I was, you know, expressing this idea to my partner because, you know, I, we were committed in a long-term relationship and this was the person I spent most of my time with. So, of course, I saw him as someone that I trusted and that I could go to easily and pick up the phone. Um, but that was a challenge in itself. Uh, you know, this person that I was with, he's a good person uh, and I'm not here to drag him or be negative and try to paint a picture. I'm just kind of saying the truth of how, you know, it was, I received it. Yeah, I mean, I think to be fair for anybody that's, you know, on the other side of maybe your situation is like, if you've never dealt with this as the partner, you don't really know how to navigate it either. Correct. Um, so, so, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, maybe he didn't handle it as well as he could, but 
the expectation that may be a lofty expectation for anybody. Yeah. So, you know, when I expressed myself to this person, um, he just wrote me off as like dramatic mm-hmm. and that was a big dagger in my heart because I really felt awful. And I was, you know, saying that out loud and recounting those memories. I, I, it gets me emotional because I'm at such a different place now than before. And for someone to just not help me or just even give me a hug or say like, let's figure this out together. You know, it was really, really painful. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, like that's a lot to put on somebody to help you figure it out. And I didn't expect him to figure it out. I really just wanted someone to hold me like, or just say like, I love you or just something of the matter of, you know, support. And that's what I was looking for. And you know what? Like if someone goes to you and expresses something really difficult to you, please don't ever label them as dramatic because that is the most hurtful thing you could do to somebody. And the best thing that you can do in that situation is honor that they went to you because they trust you and they just want love or they just want someone to say like, I totally am here for you. Like yeah. saying I am here for you shows support and it's just so much more powerful than anything else. Yeah. You're not going to him to like solve your problems, right? No. Or, or anybody's not going to. I really just didn't know what the hell was happening with me. Yeah. Like it's not their job to, you know, fix everything or. I just really wanted to be seen because I couldn't even see myself. Mm-hmm. It got so bad to the point that packing up for a game was really dreadful for me. And that was a big warning sign because dance has been such a big part of my life and such a big source of my expression and my happiness. And mind you, like we're in a really exciting season. We are Super Bowl contenders. And yeah. that's like the pinnacle of my career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was so many negative things that were happening back to back to back and, you know, and in my relationship, I started to see things differently. You know, those rose colored lenses came off and there were experiences I had with my former partner that were really eye opening in not a great way. Mm -hmm. And was breaking my heart. By the way, like talking about my ex with Kevin is not weird. They don't think it's weird. It's not weird. It doesn't have to be weird. People don't make it weird. No, we've talked extensively through our own personal stories of our former partners. And it works for us because truthfully, it helps us understand like what we both have been through and how we want to be loved and how we want to be partners if it's not for you, don't even go down that route. Well, there's look, a lot of trust that has to be involved. Yeah. I mean, to think that, depending on how old you are, to think that the person that you're with now didn't have a history prior <laughs> is, is naive. Come on. Um, yeah. The way I think we both look at it is like, we're both better people today because of what we've gone through previously. So thank you for all the men that have come before me. <laughs> Jen's a better person. She's a more well-rounded person. Because I did the work. Yeah. It's nobody. It's me. It's all you, baby. (laughs) Yeah. You know, looking back now on my relationship, 
there was a lot of codependency. There was a lot of insecurities um, that were festering. And listen, like, no one's innocent here. Like, I'm just as at fault as this person was. And I broke his heart and he broke mine. So, you know, I'm not putting the blame on anybody, but I'm just, again, explaining what happened in this part of the story. So, you know, I was really fragile in my state of mind at this point in my life. And I think when I needed my partner the most, like he didn't, he wasn't there. Yeah. So I think you're starting to get to a point in the relationship where, um, you know, factors within the relationship were sort of mounting towards um, these difficulties that you're experiencing in your personal and emotional world. Things with your family, school, career, like all these things are sort of building, you know, it's like, it's like the steam inside the pot is like starting to build up and build up. Um, but meanwhile, again, from this external, from this social media outside looking in perspective, like things couldn't be better for you, right? Oh, for sure. The season's progressing. Your football team is crushing. It's looking like they're going to go all the way to the big show, the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, your friends, people that you're, you know, I guess like from a, an outside looking in standpoint, we're just like, Jen, like, life looks good. You're crushing it. What's going on? And like, of course you're telling them everything's great. Right. So as we near, um, the Super Bowl, maybe talk a little bit about like what was breaking down in your relationship. Actually first, as this is all sort of unfolding and you're realizing I'm not getting, you know, support from my partner, like, were you seeking support elsewhere? Or were you just trying to ride it solo? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I remember just kind of like going through the motions and just numbing myself again, like I said, through just binging, through food. I was post-meeting everything. I would never leave my apartment. I would stay in my bed. I would be eating in my bed. And like, I would wake up with crumbs all mm-hmm. over my bed and, you know. I know that feeling. letting my phone die, just being really disconnected. And um, yeah, I was kind of forging it alone because I just felt absolutely alone. You certainly weren't seeking like the advice or help of any professional, right? Not at this point, no, no. And you know, I, I... made excuses for what I was going through. I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's my period or maybe it's hormones or maybe I'm just burnt out. Um, you know, so I'd be like, let's go work out. Let's read this book. Let's do this. Like I was trying to do all the things that I knew that reconnected myself mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, having never gone through stuff like this, um, I think making that distinction of like, what are the things in my life that, are sort of, and look, everything's temporary, happiness, pain, like everything is temporary to a degree, right? Yeah. And like differentiating between what is something that's like mild and it's a a one day, a two day, maybe a week type of thing that I can overcome versus there's like a systemic problem within my life right now that I I need real help with, right? Oh yeah. I wasn't willing to 
um, look at take inventory of my life. Yeah. I wasn't willing to lean into the discomfort. I was just really comfortable where I was because, you know, the writing was all over the wall. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, I, I, I knew what was there and I knew yeah. what I needed to do. I just didn't have, I didn't have the tools to just express myself. And I think to give a little context about the relationship that I was in, looking back and Understanding, I was really, really young when I started this serious relationship. I was 23 years old. Like, that is so young to be in a full-blown committed relationship with somebody. I mean, I didn't know shit. There's some people that are going to be listening to this that are 23 and younger, and they think they've got it all figured out. What do you think? I thought so, too. But, (laughs) um, you know, with life, there's growth as long as you accept it and where I'm at now in my 20s, I'm much wiser than I was at tw- than I now think, than at 23. I think when you're young, you think you've got it all figured out. And then the older you get, you realize, I don't have any of this shit Yeah, you realize out. you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was fairly young. And it was my first real committed relationship to somebody that was good to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I knew what I was doing. And I thought, you know sacrificing your individuality for a partner was what you did. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't understand that concept. I didn't understand a lot of things. Let's just say that. My whole idea of what relationships and love, what that meant was completely skewed and distorted. And not that that's wrong, but looking back now, you know, that's not a relationship I probably wanted to be in. Um, But I had to go through it. And, you know, I realized through the course of my relationship with this person, there was a lot of criticism and a lot of insecurity, like I'd said. And, you know, this person wanted me to fit this mold that I tried. I really tried. So much so that I downplayed everything that lit my soul on fire to kind of fit this mold. And, you know, it it made me really resentful and it made me really unhappy in the relationship, because again, I chose to self-betray myself. <laughs> that didn't make sense. Self-betray myself. I think I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I chose to betray myself and my individuality to keep this relationship going because I didn't have such a strong foundation with my own self-worth and confidence to like put my foot down and be like, mm-hmm. this is who I am. And... Changing me doesn't necessarily equal love. Yeah. And I think it's stuff that, you know, you ascend to a certain point with a a partner and maybe you've never experienced a relationship like that. You've never experienced love like that. And then as things start to retreat, you question like, well, like I've never felt that with anybody else prior to this person. Like it has to get better. It will get better. Um, but sometimes it doesn't, right? Like sometimes there's yeah. problems and there's, you know, there's like structural elements of the relationship or the person that just aren't changing or evolving. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's a choice by both people sort of at some point, whether it's like a conscious choice or an unconscious choice, um, whether you will change within that relationship and make compromise or, or, um, just trust and communication. I think that's the biggest thing that lacked in my relationship is that I didn't, 
I couldn't trust this person emotionally to like keep me safe emotionally. I couldn't go to him. So any t- you know how I am. I like to talk things through. Yeah. And I'm very honest. And, you know, I couldn't be that person with this person because he would just kind of gaslight the shit out of me. Well, I think the point is being like you stayed and like continued to like think, well, it'll get better, it'll get better because at one point it was like this thing, right? Right. Or you just kind of, you're just so tired of it that you just, you're just so willing to just mute mute yourself Mm -hmm. for the sake of being comfortable and complacent in your relationship because the thought of leaving something that you've invested many years in is terrifying. And, you know, you're not sure if you're going to make a mistake or you're not sure if like what you're feeling is really sure, you know, you you really doubt yourself because relationships are such a risk. And that's kind of at the point that I was at. And, you know, like I said, there was a lot of things piling up. You know, I remember specific moments that were just, turning points for me and how I was behaving in my relationship where I was completely resentful and I felt really numb towards this person. And I think I really fell out of love with this person because of these critical decisions that he had made in terms of support. Um, You know, like with Rams, you know, his insecurities came out immensely with my job. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm in a two piece and, in front of thousands and thousands of people, professional athletes, like I'm out there (laughs) and, you know, professional athletes appealing. I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) You know, this was something that I had worked my entire life to get to. And that was a really big power struggle between both of us. I felt like he really questioned the grind that I was always on of taking care of my body and practicing and games and my commitments to Mm -hmm. this contract that I had signed. And it got really frustrating because it almost felt like he didn't respect my passion and my love for dance. And, you know, like we had to do a calendar one time and which to be fair was, was your first love, right? That was my first love for sure. Besides my dog. Yeah, well, that's Maxi boy, yeah, shout true. out to Max, RIP. <laughs> um, so we had to do this photo shoot, a calendar shoot in bikinis. Mind you, like, I'm the most awkward person. It's I'm not really good at it. Whatever. I had a job to do. And it was for charity, so it was a good cause. Um, he tried to convince me to talk to my coach and tell her that I can't do it. Because he was that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it, it was a big it was a big deal and you know, he would kind of make fun of me with his friends and they would high five friends that were girls and that would be like, I don't know why they make women do this. Like wh- if I wasn't even just sitting there. Yeah. So it was just such a backhanded, you know, comment and it was really hurtful. But again, you know, I just really ignored it because nobody ever got in the way of dance for me. And, you know, there was points where this person really tried to convince me to quit dance. He was like, you've already mastered it. Why don't you challenge yourself to do something else? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I realized that this, my partner at the time just didn't see it as a job. And he really devalued how important this opportunity was for me. And that really just 
was the end for me. Yeah. Um, and again, I was taking courses at UCLA. And I'm just giving examples to show you kind of where everything just kind of blew up and fell apart for me. Um, I remember my professor giving me really good notes. Um, and I felt really validated because, you know, changing a career is really scary because you're not sure if you're doing the right thing. And, of course, the first thing I did was call my partner because that's what everybody does. And I was so stoked to tell him. And, you know, the first thing he told me was like, um, I think you need to reconsider this route. Uh, I think it's a dying career. And I just was like, that was, I, pro- I think that was probably like the cherry on top, like mm-hmm. the end of it for me. Right around the same time, right? Your team, the Rams, have progressed through the playoffs. They're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. They're going up against the GOAT, Tom Brady. <laughs> You're going into it, obviously, with excitement, nerves, um, but also all the while, like, in the background, there's all this stuff that we've talked about. Um, talk a little bit about that week and, and <laughs> the effects <laughs> of so your mental health. from the game, the NFC Championship game, we had to get on a plane a week later. So we had to get all the logistics sorted out. Had to get my parents some flights and stuff like that. So it was lots of moving parts in a short amount of time. And I remember having this gut feeling that I didn't want my ex to go to Super Bowl. But I felt kind of obligated to say yes to him because he had gone to my games during the season. Um, which, mind you, I don't think he ever said good job to me one time. So, <laughs> yeah. And you would mention that like he was sort of pushing away, pushing away, pushing away. But all of a sudden, now that... We're going to the Super Bowl. Everybody's interested in you and your career and like what yeah. you've done at this point. He's now sort of changed his tune, right? Yeah, he's totally, you know, being different. And all of a sudden he supports the Rams. So we go to the Super Bowl. It's a week. I had a wake-up call. I thought Super Bowl was going to be like... But it's work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, it's incredible experience. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I got to do some amazing things. But we were working around the clock. Mm-hmm. There was so much media to do. There were so many performances to do leading up to just the big game. So I was, in, I was working until probably like close to midnight, waking up, doing it all over again, getting full face and full makeup. And at this point, I'm completely gone. Like, I'm just so numb to every emotion. I am excited. But also, I'm just feeling kind of dead inside. I was drinking more than normal, which, like, I never drink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I was just drowning so much sadness out and so much grief that I had holding on to me. I had this, like, huge monkey on my back. And it was my relationship. Mm-hmm. And throughout the entire, you know, excitement of Super Bowl and amazing memories that I wanted to create with my teammates, I had to extinguish all these fires going on in my relationship and try to keep my guy happy when it's my work event. Yeah. And to be fair, you've told me before, like, your relationship, but then also behind that, all the other stuff we talked about, right? Like, the other things hadn't gone away. Yeah, but I guess like for this family. week, yeah. you could get away from them Correct. and leave those in California, but the relationship came with you. Totally. Exactly. Um, 
And so, you know, throughout that week, this, my ex like made me cry and, you know, during events that I wanted to make memorable with my teammates, cause we had worked so hard to get here, you know, I mean, I didn't, you know, score the touchdowns and stuff like that, but through the course of our dance career, most of us had been together on multiple teams. Mm-hmm. So this was a big deal. And, you know, I just, I just felt like every day was just like explaining myself to this person of why I was in work mode. Mm-hmm. And so it dawned on me that this person just didn't respect my job and didn't see it as work. Yeah. And it wasn't a respectable job or whatever it was, um, you know, he wanted me to like hold his hand and show that we were together in front of the entire Rams organization, which mm-hmm. as cheerleaders, we have kind of this target on our back that we're expected to just not be in trouble because yeah. people are searching for us to get in trouble, you mm-hmm. know, just to kind of feed that stigma. And, you know, it, it, it really pains me because... I wish that whole week had gone differently without him there. Mm-hmm. That's really messed up to say, but I wish I like I wish I was more present to spend it with my parents and like take more pictures, you know. I just wasn't happy. I just wasn't happy and that was supposed to be the joyous the most joyous moment of my life. Yeah. Like despite all the the schedule which was rigorous and and right. you know, you were going to be tired regardless. Right. You were probably going to be slightly hungover regardless. Yeah. Um and then ultimately you were going to be very sad by how the game went. Oh yeah, we lost. Regardless. So eventually by the end of that week we broke up. He went through my computer uh while I was sleeping. He must have watched me press the keys and memorize it. He's a brilliant guy. He's very intelligent, so he's very techy. So I'm not surprised that that's how that happened. He woke me up. I'm in the most vulnerable state where I'm sleeping. In the middle of the night, he's in Manhattan Beach, and he tells me to get out and leave. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, I just woke up. Yeah, that's a bad dream. <laughs> yeah. And I was crying uncontrollably, so he had to drive me home. Mind you, he called my mom in the middle of the night. She lives in the valley, and I'm living in Sherman Oaks at the time. It's like 2 a.m., and it's just like this blur that happened, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and he saw things that he didn't like, a lot of conversations out of context, and, you know, were there things that were probably hurtful? Probably. Maybe me confiding in my closest friends of complaining about my relationship and me and my girlfriends just kind of talking about like, you know, who's hot, like guys that we would never have access to. Never inappropriate. And, you know, that's kind of what sparked this whole thing. And he sent screenshots of conversations, private conversations to my family, tried dragging my family into it. And this is kind of where it all hits the fan here. Yeah, that's not advised. So you find yourself a week removed from the Super Bowl, uh, pretty destroyed. Oh, yeah. Your life has been completely upended. Um, Another big change in my life another big change in your life and and 
probably one that like you were building what, you know, at some point thought would be, you know, your life. So you're building a life together. Yeah. And that foundation that you were building this life on all of a sudden is gone. And you're left to kind of like try and figure it all out, right? Whilst, again, to reiterate, like all these other things are going on in your life. Yeah. So that's a lot. Possibly the end of my dance, my entire dance career. Yeah. There's a lot going on um, kind of unfolding in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. And mind you, I'm dealing with this breakup and fingers being pointed at me and my family getting dragged into it and his friends getting dragged into it, which, you know, became my friends. And I... Yeah really found a lot of those people to be important people in my life. And everybody turned on me. It was kind of like a choosing sides game. And I was kind of dragged through the mud. And, you know, vilifying somebody like that is just another, just pour all the salt in the wounds at that point. Sort of fast forwarding, like the conversations you and I had down the line, you felt like you felt like everything was your fault which I continue to tell you. Oh, I carry that burden of guilt like it was my job. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> I, like, as you explained, and I know all the truth, as you explained everything <laughs> to me, I continued to tell you, like, look, there's this, you know, all happened because of so many things that took place months, years before. There's like and how you get from point A to point B. There's like a cause and effect, yeah. you know? And so I was really carrying this burden of guilt because this person, again, conditioned me to believe that I was such a fucking horrible person. Yeah. And so another reason why this podcast came about was I just want people to share their truths. And I felt like I didn't have a voice. And people just already knew who I was mm-hmm. based off of Instagram, based off of like small interactions. And it was really, really unfair to me. And it was total bullshit. Yeah. So now I'm here sharing my truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know the truth. And believe me, the truth is like, not that bad. Come on. This person thought they had me so figured out and they just didn't know me. Mm. And that's the really sad part of looking back on that relationship that like he never really knew who I was, like truly knew me. And it's a shame, but you know, every individual needs to do their own inner work, especially if you want to be in a relationship with somebody. It takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of being honest with yourself and no and not thinking that you're better than your partner. Like you're not working against each other. You're working together. I think it's at this time that you got wise, right? And decided, I think I need like real professional help, right? Yeah, it was almost like the next day. So I called Kaiser, which is my medical Shout out provider. Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> Sponsor me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I called them and I was like, I need someone to talk to. I'm going through some things and... You know, I don't really like these thoughts that I'm having. And, you know, they triaged me and they wanted to see, you know, how critical I was. And they sent me to, they set me up with a therapist and I had an appointment the next day. And I started therapy the next day. Boy, was I a mess. Um, you know, I, I felt so cornered 
mentally that I had to put my hands up and finally deal with my shit and like lean into the most uncomfortable moment of my life where I had to really dig deep and figure out what the hell is going on with me and really face the truth. For so long, I had masked myself to make people believe that I'm fine Mm -hmm. and I'm happy and there's no issues with me and I've gone through literally nothing in my life, so I'm chilling. No, I really had to get down to the nitty-gritty of it and, you know, I, I wanted to be... You know, I hold hold a standard for myself of like what type of woman I want to be in my future and, and in society. And I wasn't being that person. And I really needed a professional to help guide me back on track to get to that point. And I was just so far from that. Yeah. And I think, you know, in those moments, right, like when you're really going through some hard things, uh, our thoughts are oftentimes our enemy, right? No, for sure. You know, you wind yourself in a knot and like all you're trying to do is just pull yourself out of it. Oftentimes you're just pulling that knot tighter. Um, And, you know, our thoughts in those moments can be a dangerous place. Um, And it it sounds like they were a dangerous place for you, right? For sure. I mean, so the thought, the start of therapy was very difficult. Um, you know, it's really awkward. You're kind of like, well, where do I start? How do I open up? And there's so much to kind of unfold here. And you only have an hour, really. Yeah. So it was definitely a process and such a buildup. And at that point, you know, I was going twice a week because I was, like, pretty critical. Yeah. And I know, you know, therapy is kind of expensive. And luckily, you know, I had some coverage on my medical insurance. So... At that point, I was like willing to do whatever it takes to heal. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what the healing looked like at that point. And I really didn't even know what I was about to face. So I'm going to therapy and I'm still dealing with a breakup because, you know, breakups are never like really cut and dry. This person just really wants to stick it to me for whatever reason. And yeah. And all the while, life is still going. Life's still going. Like, I have to go to work. (laughs) There's work. There's school. There's, There's, you know, these other elements. Oh, my God. School. I I was hanging on by a thread, but I finished school. Yeah. Barely passed, which is not me. You know, I'm a straight-A student. D's for done over here. (laughs) And so I... I was just spiraling and I was trying to figure out, you know, why would this was happening to me? And I didn't eat for two months. I didn't sleep for two months. My body was shaking for two weeks straight because there was just so much trauma that I was responding to and so much anxiety and, you know, not sleeping and not eating right. It's just, I was a mess and I had never seen myself so broken. Mm-hmm. Like when I looked in the mirror, I was like, who the fuck is this person? So... You know, days are going on and I'm trying to contact my ex and because at the time I thought that, oh, I broke this, so I want to fix it. Yeah. And And you're probably learning like in therapy, you're coming to realizations that you probably want to like, hey, I just realized this about our relationship. Hey, I just realized that about our relationship. Like, I want to share these things and try to talk it through, right? Yeah, and, I, and again, I wanted to share my truth because I feel like I was so muted. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to explain myself. And so <laughs> 
One day, this, my ex sends me an iPhone note of all the bad things that I did in my relationship while we were together. Chronological or ranked from Just best to worst? From the beginning to the end, chronological. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah. Ill-advised. Uh, no, yeah. And so <laughs> I was having a really hard day that day, and I was starting to realize, like, I was losing a lot of those friends that I'd built relationships with, and, you know, this was the whole taking sides thing. And this put me in such a deeper, dark hole that I was in so much pain and so much emotions that I was like, I, I, can't, I can't live here. I can't live anymore. Like, I, I don't want to do this. I really just kind of threw my hands up and I was just like, I'm done. I'm so tired. Like, I'm so tired. And I wanted to end my life. And so I had made a decision to do it exactly how I wanted to do it. And I can't even explain to you, like, the type of relief that it brought to me. Um... Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to talk about. It yeah. never gets easier, but no. it does get easier to talk about. And, you know, of course, you know this part of my story. And when I first told you, it was really freaking scary because I thought you were going to judge me. Yeah, I think at the time, I was maybe one of three people that you Oh, that shared. knew, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I mean, to sort of circle back to the beginning of this podcast, like, I knew you when I met you and I got to know you and then I started to understand where you were coming from in the previous year, but I never would have guessed that you had reached this breaking point. Like this is the breaking point. Oh yeah. Like I'm, um, I'm giving up, I'm surrendering. And I was, I was shocked. Um, you know, I mean, unfortunately suicide is something that like I have, uh, like an ancillary, is that the right word? I think so. Ancillary, mm -hmm. like exposure to in my hometown, um, there's been quite a few. Um, and actually one that was pretty close, like to our family, not direct family, but um, a sibling of mine, one of their partners after the fact, um, took their life. Yeah. And um, it's just one of those things, it's like, wow, yeah, I've always thought, like, how does someone get to that point? Yeah. And, you know, then here's this person that I am personally taking a vested interest in telling me <laughs> that she got to that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you were telling me, I was, like, I was blown away and just so sad, I guess, as you are telling me, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did this person who, through my eyes, you know, is this really strong, rooted person that has a good sense of self and a support system. Um, how? Like, how did she get there? You know, I think I was just... I was just so disconnected from myself, and I realized that I didn't want to die, like, physically. Like, I love life, and I, loved, I love everything that life has to offer, I wanted the situation to die. Like I yeah. wanted it to just end and I wanted it to go away. And in that moment, I was just so desperate to just be happy and to let it just leave me alone yeah. that I was willing to just leave this earth because the thought of feeling free 
really outweighed, you know, staying here. Yeah. And so, you know, I made my decision and I remember getting up and going to the bathroom to do it. And I caught myself. And it's really freaky because I was kind of in this trance of relaxation and happiness and like a breath of fresh air was like a huge exhale for me because I knew that on the other side, like it would be over. The pain is gone, yeah. And I didn't have to deal with the bullshit of the notes and I didn't have to deal with people looking at me a certain way because I wanted, I really cared. I really cared about, I really do care to this day about being a good person. Like I want to be a good person and I always try to choose and make my decisions based off of being a good person. And I fucked up. And you were, you're in your apartment. I was in my apartment. And so you have a roommate, right? My roommate, best friend of like 20 plus years. And so I caught myself and I was like, what are you doing? I thought about my mom, which my mom was with me every step of the way of that breakup. She would, I would make her like sleep in my bed. She would hang out my apartment. She kind of, you know, enjoyed herself. It was very quiet. Got to reconnect with her daughter. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I had to ask her some questions to kind of connect the dots for therapy. And I learned some things that I'd never known before. And so Mm -hmm. then I thought about my best friend and I was like, oh my God, I can't have her walk in on me like this. Like I would scar her for the rest of her life. She would never forget this. I mean, we've been best friends for 20 plus years. So, oh, I get emotional about it. (laughs) I think you get a pass on this one. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, caught myself and I was like, what are you doing? You know, you have so many people that love you and support you on this earth that you would devastate them. So I didn't go through with it, but I was, you know, toeing the edge there. And I now, from that moment, I I can just, from my own personal experience and from being in that place, I completely understand why people take their lives. I mean, I don't fully understand, but I get it. You get it, but at the same time, like, you vehemently do not endorse it as a solution, right? Like, No, no, (laughs) not at all. Like, life, there's so much more to life, and there's so many people on this earth that do love you, whether it's just even a simple pet. Like, there's so much more life on the other side of this pain. I just, you just have to go through it. You have to lean in. You have to just, like, the only way out is through it. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be pretty, but I promise you, it's way better than being in the ground and gone. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, like getting to that point, like, like I was saying earlier, like seeing, like, I can't understand how people get to that solution and get to that Yeah, decision. I unfairly would judge people and be like, how dare they do that to their family? They're cowards. They're so selfish. You know, I unfairly judged people that I would hear on the news, like celebrities and stuff of taking their lives and... You know, now I'm here in this position facing that darkness Mm -hmm. and feeling what I was feeling. And I was like, wow, like I understand why people are so pushed to this point of despair and grief and just the complexities of the brain 
steering you in this direction. And to, to that point, like you didn't have your fully capacitated brain at that point, like through sleep deprivation. Oh no, I was just, I was not myself. Right. And I think like, what are the things people need to be thinking about or like recognize? Um, and what things should they be doing? You know, if these thoughts, because I'm sure that wasn't the first time that thought hadn't entered your mind, right? No, I definitely had those thoughts before. You know, I was having intrusive thoughts um, because, again, I didn't have my toolkit. Uh, my emotional toolkit wasn't strong. My foundation wasn't strong. And another element of why I was so pushed to committing suicide and taking my life was because my self-worth was so broken even throughout my entire relationship, I was, it was just beaten down, beaten down, beaten down by like, you know, criticisms and judgments and insecurities. And, you know, it wasn't strong. My self-confidence was gone. Again, my whole relationship was built on codependency on both parties. Mm -hmm. And so once the rug was pulled underneath my feet and then this person, you know, just kept putting daggers in my wounds, um, it just kind of, you know, I looked at myself as like worthless. Yeah. I looked at myself as like, no one will love me and I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And it was a really low point for me. It was really, really sad guys. And it was really, really hard to climb out of. And so for, you know, if you have ever had those thoughts and ever had those feelings, um, you know, just remember like, what makes you happy? Like what lights you up inside? And like, what are the things that make you feel like a child again, that make you laugh and feel joy? And, you know, for so long I had let someone decide those things for me because they wanted to dim those really important parts of me that made me me. And I let that person have that power. And so I really lost so much of it. And, yeah. um, and I think it's important to highlight like what you said, you, because it's, it's a conscious choice. And I know that's a very simplified reductionist thing to say, like you let that person, like we all have the choice to like give as much or as little to other people. As, right. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important for many reasons, not just like this, the possibility of this scenario coming up that we all maintain a sense of self and like a sense of like our fundamental passions and things that light us up in life. And the right partner, the right person will love those things and support you and encourage you to like maintain those things, like hold on to who you are and what you believe. In. Yeah, of course. And then when these things happen, if it were to go away, like you'll always have those other things, mm -hmm. you know, that's your foundation. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like the sense of self needs to be strong. Yeah. You know, your, your confidence and it has to be unshakable. Like no one can break it because at the end of the day, you know what's best for yourself. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can determine those things. No one else can speak for your thoughts, your feelings, your body. You know you best because you live in yourself all day long. Yeah, and you can hide you can hide from other people, you can hide from yourself for a time. But eventually, I mean, it all comes around. You can't hide it from yourself forever. So no, because you, you know, better like it. You better like it in there. <laughs> and you know, I think relationships really expose a lot of things that are unhealed about yourself yeah. in the way you work 
emotionally and with your partner and through rough times and through good times. And so, you know, I think every situation is so different. And I'm, again, I'm not an expert nor a professional, but I really had to check myself and think about the people that I love and that love me back and have supported me through this whole thing of going through such a hard time. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Well. I hate crying. No, look. (laughs) This is, uh, you're in a safe space here on the Unfiltered Podcast. I know. You've heard the story 40,000 times and I still get so emotional about it. Well, fuck. It's heavy. It's as heavy as it gets, Jen. Um, And I'm not, and I'm not placing blame on anybody. It was a culmination of so much negativity and so much grief and sadness that like there was a lot of things that played their part that led up to this point. It's, it wasn't just one person, you know? No, no, no. I I think, yeah, I don't, I, you've never tried to place any blame on anybody um, for this getting to this point. I want to make that clear Um, outside of just circumstances that came to a fever pitch and, um, Unfortunately, like you just didn't have, uh, I guess the foundation and the toolkit to thwart this before it got to that point. And I think that's probably the most important thing that this podcast, um, is designed to do is to, to try to, you know, give people, um, perspective and a Mm -hmm. toolkit, uh, to try to recognize things within themselves um, early and, you know, turn the tide for, hope, I mean, not everything's going to get to that, you know, God forbid. Um, but even, you know, like way, <laughs> even elements of that that are far uh, less serious and permanent are still really, really heavy. And I think we all you know, yeah. I think that's what you want to try to help it, people understand is like, how do we recognize these things? Where do we go so that they don't get to the point that it becomes a, a big problem? Yeah. And I just don't want people to feel ashamed because feeling alone and feeling ashamed is such a horrible feeling as a human being when as humans we're built for connection and we're built for love and for community and, you know, to feel pegged in a corner and feeling like you can't express yourself or relate to anybody Mm -hmm. going through something that you may be going through that is very similar. And you happen to find an episode that completely relates to your personal life. Like that, my job is done. Like I'm, I'm happy to kind of (laughs) help you in that way. Um, And I definitely had those thoughts again. Like it it never was just like a one-time thing. It it happened multiple times throughout a course of a year. Um, But I'm happy to say like I haven't had those thoughts since. I'm happy (laughs) that you haven't had those thoughts as well. I can't leave you, Kev. (laughs) No, please don't. I wouldn't do that to you. Um, You know, Life is going to hit us hard at some point. You're going to mm-hmm. get punched in the face. You know, the, the famous Mike Tyson, like everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> um, what's important is like how you respond, right? And yeah. So let's talk about that. How did you respond? 
So therapy was a very clutch in this situation. So like I said, therapy was really hard to start with. You know, you, you have to be very honest with yourself and you have to be willing to do the homework outside of sessions. Mm-hmm. Or it just it's just going to be a longer period of time until you f- reap the benefits of what therapy is supposed to do. So I'm with a professional. They've got no skin in the game and they have the tools and the understanding of human psychology, how we operate, right? Yeah. So we're peeling back layers from like childhood, the beginning and all these traumas that I had experienced, you know, as a kid and losing my grandmother and through relationships that have molded me. And so we're going through all of it. And some sessions were so hard and so emotionally draining. And some sessions were really enlightening and really empowering for me. And so therapy gave me the tools to understand new coping mechanisms that I just didn't have. So when I was going through all those things, I was like there with my toolkit and I was like, holy shit, uh, this isn't going to work. I need to think about something else. I was out of ammo. So over the course of therapy, I was able to acquire just new tools and how to be productive and how I respond in hard situations and how to deal with hardships in relationships, whether romantic or with family or with friends or even professional relationships. Um, You know, I lacked a lot of self-awareness. That sounds really strange, but I lacked so much of it. You know, like I just didn't have this deep understanding of like who I was and how my behaviors affected other people. So I was really self-centered. <laughs> yeah, look, taking a hard look in the mirror is scary. Oh, it is Sometimes tough. the person looking back and be like, damn. And so I, I had to like take a shit. really hard, I had to take a really hard look at how my behaviors and my decisions were affecting how I showed up in the world through mm-hmm. relationships, through work. And it, it was not pretty. And I was, you know, I'm a very guilty person. I always feel bad about everything. And so I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I was moving through life that way. Mm. But every human being is entitled to change. We all have an opportunity and a chance to change and to redeem ourselves because that's what life is, constant evolvement. But change is a really hard thing to do. And some people aren't willing to like look in the mirror and make a change, whether it's through fitness, whether it's through like leaving a relationship that no longer serves them or changing their mindset. Yeah. And happiness is literally on the other side. I, I promise you, like therapy was the most life-changing decision that I'd ever made for myself. Would you say a lot of the healing started with just the simple idea of like one, forgiving yourself for how you've thought and how you've sort of judged yourself? Yeah. Um, and then also maybe more importantly, like forgiven anybody that had, um, any like inputs into how your life had come to this point? Of course. I mean, that was a really big topic in therapy for me was forgiveness. Um, my therapist was so good. She, she really taught me about mindfulness and she explained to me about being present and how that's just the most critical thing that I need to be doing because anxiety, you worry about the future. Depression, you're worrying about the past. So I had one foot here and one foot here. And then here was the present. 
which was just happening in front of me. So life was going on and I just, just was doing the splits over there. I was doing the splits <laughs> and you know, I was just, I was not, life was moving past me so fast that like, I wasn't even remembering anything. I still have a hard time remembering things, but, um, yeah, forgiveness was such a big topic for me and understanding how to forgive, you know, my parents and my childhood and forgive myself and forgive my past relationships and the people that wanted to vilify me, you know, and once I did that, it took me a while to forgive myself. Naturally, it's really a hard thing to do because I feel deeply for a lot of things and for people and, you know, I'm really honest with myself. Mm-hmm. So if I had any part or play into somebody's sadness or heartbreak, like, oh my God, it's the end of the world for me. So it took me a good year to forgive myself, forgive myself for not loving myself the way I deserved, you know, for hurting somebody that I, you know, spent a lot of time with. I forgave myself for not knowing better. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of shame and it was, it was like a cycle of shame and a cycle of guilt and a cycle of forgiveness. And yeah. So honestly, therapy was the one. Yeah. And I I look, I'm a big proponent of, um, seeking professional help. I went through a time in my life that was, uh, also sort of, um, I guess, at the, at the heart of it was a breakup also, mm-hmm. but I was going through a career change. Um, I had sort of set a course um, of this solo endeavor professionally that I just had things that I didn't understand. I didn't know how to um, navigate. And, um, you know, friends, family, I would talk to them about, but also I just didn't feel like it was their burden to carry. Yeah. And I didn't want to put that on anybody else. Um, and eventually I, you know, kind of gave in to the idea of like, maybe I should talk to somebody. Um, I used this app called Breakthrough, which was like a video chat mm. uh, medium that I, I met a therapist through. And then I really like, I fortunately got really lucky like you. The first person that I um, reached out to was Epic. She was really good at what she did, um, really easy to talk to. And... It was, it was incredible. I mean, I just, I learned so much about myself. Um, I learned so much about just what I was going through, you know, like her perspective, the reps that she's seen in her office of like, oh, you're, believe me, you're not going through this alone. Like yeah. I've, <laughs> I have so, so many people that have gone through exactly what you're going through. And here's how I kind of talk about it with them. And it's just perspective. Like, yeah, you know, the the circular nature of the thoughts in our mind can oftentimes be a disservice to ourselves, and sometimes it's just as simple as having somebody from you know five thousand feet look at you and just go like here come up here and look at what you're doing down there and you kind of come up and look down on yourself you're like what am I doing down yeah yeah exactly exactly and like almost that simple sometimes like oh those are the changes I need to be making you know in that toolkit you talk about. it's really powerful stuff. I, I frankly am a big proponent. I've, um, I've talked to some of my closest friends that, you know, from a male side were like, therapy, 
Yeah. I'm like, look, bro, just trust me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a couple months later, like, it's pretty epic. Like, I'm, I'm a believer. It's, 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 it's a really powerful tool. It helps us just, like, step away from our daily craziness of a schedule and to get out of our own heads and to kind of just emotionally dump on someone that can help us sort through the mess, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why our relationship works really well is because we both had done the work within ourselves to really get brutally honest. And when you can get brutally honest with yourself, it's just so much easier to be honest with a partner, the right partner, mm-hmm. you know, that's also done the work because there's a mutual understanding of like how to cope with each other and how to cope through hard things and how to be there for each other emotionally and physically, you know, it's, there's so many aspects of success through therapy that will transcend into your everyday life and different realms like professional and personal relationships. Um, So, and how to just have conversations with yourself. Yeah. You know how to walk yourself through hard thoughts or anxious thoughts. And so at the time when I was going through therapy, um, I was dealing with depression and major anxiety and perfectionism all at the same time. So it was a whirlwind of hell. To say the least. The unholy trinity. The unholy trinity, yeah. right. So, you know, therapy was critical for me at the beginning of this new path that I was kind of forging for myself and this kind of new life that I was ready for. And, you know, I had to close a huge chapter of my life and leave behind a lot of people that I did care about because they just didn't line up with this person I wanted to be. They wanted to keep me as this person that they had me all figured out to be. And that's not fair. Listen, I'm not all fixed and healed and perfect here. Like this is an everyday work. Like it doesn't go away. My anxiety is through the roof sometimes. My depression comes in different shades. It's not as uh, severe as it was, but I definitely have, like I said, figured out how to maintain it in a much productive way. Um, Once I started going to therapy and, you know, I started getting traction with the healing process, I started thinking about myself again and I removed Instagram. I removed social media because it was making me crazy because, you know, I wanted to snoop on my ex and see what the hell he was doing and see what his friends were doing and blah, blah, blah. And it was really not healthy for me. And then, um... I made a really hard decision to take a year off of dance because again, like I was so spread thin with my time that I had zero ability to really look at myself and really work inwards instead of slapping a freaking face mask on my face and calling it self care. I really had to do the work. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, I had to sacrifice like the things that brought me a lot of joy and I stuck with therapy and work. Yeah. And that's it. I had to simplify my life and take a step back to just survive. Yeah. And I think like it's a challenge and uh you know I think about sort of picking yourself up and putting yourself back together again in that situation and, and therapy is a big part of this. It's like it's going to get worse sometimes before it gets better. Oh yeah. You know, you think about trying to like reorganize a garage that has a bunch of you just like stacked boxes and boxes and boxes, right? Like then finally, one day you're like, God, I need to go reorganize that garage. 
Because, like, I've got some new shit that I want to put in there that is way better than all this old garbage. Absolutely. And in order to do that, you have to, like, if you've ever done this, like, you have to take all the boxes out, spread everything out on the floor. It gets organize messy. Organize it. It gets messy before it gets organized and better, then, for yeah, sure. yeah, you can, like, put it back and Marie Kondo that shit. And the <laughs> next thing you know, you can put your new Peloton in the corner and put your whatever else, like, and then you walk into the garage and you look around and you're like, okay, I can actually think. I can breathe in here. Yeah, and it's almost like the same notion for me, for my career. It's like when you work out, when you do something new to challenge yourself, like you're going to feel sore and tired the next day. It's kind of the same idea with therapy. Like you're working your brain. You're working your like emotions. You're working that muscle and it's going to feel tired. It's going to feel sore. It's going to feel depleted. And so it's kind of that same notion of anything that you do to change and challenge yourself it's going to be hard. Yeah. No, I mean, therapy is a challenge. There's times where you go in and you just get a swift kick to the nuts. Oh, sometimes I like, wouldn't even go. Oh, like, why do, Why am I paying for that? I'm paying I would for cancel. this lady to just... Yeah. <laughs> there was two times that I canceled but, because I just, I just didn't have it in me that day to yeah. like be emotional. Yeah. I've done the same thing. Um, but, you know, it's a process, right? And you just keep coming back to it because you know long-term that you're yeah. going to benefit from it. Okay, Padilla. <laughs> so now it's 2021. Um, where do you go from here? I'm really proud of myself, of the woman that I've become in that span of like two years. Two, two years, two almost and on and the half. button. Yeah, and... Um, I don't think I'd ever imagined me being in this position of my mindset and who I am as a person. And for the first time in my life, I'm like really proud of myself with out feeling like I had to have to minimize who I am and I can just finally be me. I've had to reconcile with those parts of me that I had to hide from people that, you know, told me to hide those things because again I gave the power to people to decide who I was and I have never felt more myself and I am at a, so much peace with myself that's good yeah and <laughs> I probably feels pretty good hell yeah like on the other side of just complete turmoil was just a whole new life and a whole way of thinking and a whole new look at the love that I have for life and what it has for me. And, and I really think that to just obviously the people around me and therapy and me just like choosing myself. Mm -hmm. And, and when you choose yourself, it's not selfish. It's in order for you to function as a human being and to be successful, not just through work, but how you move through life and in the world you got to be good with you. Like you, you can't harbor anger. You can't harbor these things because it's just going to bleed out and everything yeah. that you do and everything you touch, like it's almost like a poison. You know, if you hold the poison inside, it, it's going to bleed out on everything that you encounter. And it's going to just kind of determine your life yeah. as like an angry life or a sad life. And your mind is such a powerful thing. And Fortunately, we have the power to kind of control 
our thoughts and stuff through different ways of coping. And, you know, it's not all a simple formula. Everyone's super different and cases are more extreme than others in regards to like mental health. And, you know, I just, I'm in a good place. I'm in a new relationship. Who that? <laughs> With some guy sitting next to me that was so unexpected. I was not looking for a relationship and somehow the universe placed this guy in front of me. But safe to say, this guy has impacted my life in a way that I had never experienced before in my life. In a great way. Um... Well, thank you. I, uh, she's talking about me, in case you guys haven't figured that out. No, I mean, look, I, I think uh, really the only thing I've done and, you know, I learned through trial and error myself um, was that it's, it's just so important to have, you know, the sense of self and to be good with yourself before you can give yourself completely to somebody else. And, and it gives you confidence. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking about there's everyone, this isn't like the first time you've heard this, but you know, the, the correlation of if you're on an airplane, like you got to get your oxygen mask on before you can help others. Right. Um, all I've done in our relationship really is just encouraged you completely to pursue your happiness and the things that set your soul on fire and then just support them as best I can. Um, and I ask that you do that in return to me. And I think initially, like, you were, it felt like I was pushing you away, right? Yeah, it was really foreign to me. And, um, you know, our relationship, we had to work through a lot of things. And not in a negative capacity. It was just, like, such a teaching moment, I think, for both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I had just only knew how to be codependent. And I thought, I thought that's how you function in relationships. You know, I still had my life, but... I thought this is how you do it. And yeah. you were like, um, no, like actually this is how it works out a little bit better if you just trust me on this. And, you know, you even like referenced some books for me to read while I was going through my breakup and we were still kind of like friend zone mode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I truly understand the importance of keeping your individuality while maintaining an intimate relationship with someone because, you know, we are both our own persons way before we even got together. Mm -hmm. And in order to maintain that, that's only going to keep our relationship alive as long as we have those things for ourselves. Because like once you have such a loss of identity and it's wrapped up in somebody else, like that person now controls every emotion and every decision that you make. And then you're going to miss out on so many things in life that it, it's just, it just strips away like what it really means to be partners. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the books, um, there's this concept called the anchor in the wave. This is you're a, my anchor. Well, the idea is like, <laughs> if you're completely untethered, like life will just swing you this way and that, you know, the rough seas of life, um, it's nice to have like a foundation. It's nice to have an anchor, but you need to have enough rope so that when the waves do come your way, like you can ride them, you know? Um, and there's that freedom. Like it's not complete freedom, you know, you, like 
decisions that you make impact your partner. So uh, there's that whole consideration, sure. But like, I, you know, I I think it's important to to give your partner rope to go be who they need to be and live life the way that they want to live life. Now, is there considerations of the other people in your life? Of course there are, but um, yeah, I, I think that's something that we do pretty well. Um, you know, we're still learning, of course, a lot about each other and like how we work best together. But um, yeah, I think, you know, just that fundamental part of our relationship, I think, allows for so many other things to to get figured out pretty easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just really thankful that you've done the work to gain that confidence in yourself as who, as a man in this world and in this relationship with me to just give me that space to be myself without judgment. And you never criticize me. And I think the biggest, biggest thing for me was you were just a man of your word. Like when you said you were going to do something, you would do it. You've created this really strong and transparent relationship with me where I thrive on truth and you know that. Where it's like if someone can't be honest with themselves, like I'll never expect them to be honest with me and that's a huge component for me. So thanks for being a nice guy. Hey, pal, no problem. (laughs) Shall we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay. Thank you guys for listening in on this episode about my shit, (laughs) what I've been through. Um, You know, it's not always easy to kind of share those really dark moments with you guys and kind of recounting those things. Uh, But, you know, like we've talked about on this entire episode, I hope you enjoy the rest of the episodes that are coming your way. And again, thank you for supporting me in this idea and just you know, share it with your people or share it with someone that might be going through something similar in different episodes that you might think might find some help with this, you know? Yeah. And the goal is to release consistently, right? Every yeah, week, every week, probably like in a kind of like maybe a couple seasons. So maybe like every week. Not sure we'll get there, but you know, it's going to be weekly drops of episodes, but yeah, guys, storytelling is very crucial to learning and gaining perspective and you know mental health should now be a priority in your wellness Mm -hmm. Um, not just physical like going to the gym and working for that aesthetic that you're searching for yeah um yeah thanks so much for moderating you did such a good job i hope so i'm proud of you (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate you. You're like sweating through your entire body right now. It's hot, and yes, there's some sweat. But all right, that's all we got today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.